Well, it is beginning to uh, look a lot like Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And today we're going to continue our series that Greg started last week, which is all about the wonders of Christmas. And last year we talked, or last week we talked about the angels, which are definitely a part of the wonders of Christmas. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas wishes. Those two words often go closely together, aren't they, tied closely t together, Christmas wishes. Uh, I was looking on the internet, the World Wide Web. Do you ever go there? <laughs> I know you do. And uh, according to the internet, children, not surprisingly, this year, they are wishing for toys. Surprisingly, yes. They're wishing for toys. Just 10 days ago, uh, Amazon uh, released uh, a really important article, and it's called The Most Popular Kids' Toys That Are Being Wished For and Actually Purchased. I mean, that's Amazon's uh, marketing scheme thing there, uh, toys that are actually being purchased. And so I thought I'd share them with you today. We want to be inspirational, but we also want to be informational for you this morning as well. Uh, number one on the list actually kind of surprised me. There it is. Have you ever seen this guy? Smooth Moves Sloth. He's made by Fisher Price. And I looked at him and I thought, what does he do? And then I was so glad that Amazon said, this fun toy does it all. There you go. This fun toy does it all. The Fisher-Price Link-A-Moles, that's kind of hard to say, smooth move sloth to get your baby moving and learning uh, with exciting lights and music and songs and groovy, which is one of my favorite words, groovy dance moves. So in other words, I'll just summarize, it's a sloth that dances. Not usually seen in the real world, but it's a sloth that dances. Number two on the list, something that you might be a little more familiar with. This here, yeah, is Baby Shark, and this is the official, the official dancing doll. Don't get mixed up with the non-official dancing doll. This is the official one. This fun Baby Shark dancing doll will dance to the popular theme song, and you know it, you're probably humming it now, and uh, he will also make sounds when you tap on his head or when you clap your hands, or you can shout out, Baby Shark, and you'll be amazed by all the fun reactions that you'll get just by saying, Baby Shark. That's number two. And then if you jump down to number uh, five, Disney has put together this one, Buzz Lightyear, uh, to infinity and beyond. This is uh, Disney's uh, attempt to make Buzz Lightyear come alive, now after four movies. According to Amazon, Buzz Lightyear comes to life with lights and sounds and signature action moves, and kids will love his animated effects as he walks forward, backward, and speaks lines like Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And then number eight, and Greg, I hope you're watching, because this is one that really kind of caught my eye, and here it is. <laughs> Boys and girls alike, this is the Barbie Dream Plane playset. You can just get out a pen right now and jot it down, Greg. Barbie's Dream Plane is ready to help imaginations take off. See what they did there? Take off. It's a plane. Anywhere. Uh, and it has realistic touches like reclining seats, working overhead compartments, even a snack cart with removable trays, all included. I just hope it doesn't lose your luggage. You know, that would be a little too realistic for the children on my list. According to Amazon, this is the gift uh, that is just the ticket for your little traveler. This comes in at number eight. So these are among the things that children in the world apparently are wishing for this year. And these are among the things that parents around the world apparently are buying and purchasing, and Amazon wanted you to know. Truth is, Christmas wishes come in all shapes and all sizes. Some of you are dreaming of a white Christmas, and guess what? <laughs> Today, your wish is coming true. Even though it's not yet Christmas, it's white outside, right? Uh, others of us are just hoping to be home for the holidays. You know, we have all different kinds of 
wishes. Years ago, Kelly Clarkson wrote a song. I realized that she wrote this. I knew that she sung this, but I didn't realize that she wrote it. And it captured my heart, and it may be yours as well. It's called her grown-up Christmas list. Here are, here are the lyrics to this wonderful song. She says, so here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list, not for myself, but for our world, a world that's in need. And then she just enumerates as she sings along what's on her Christmas list. She says, uh, no more lives torn apart, uh, that wars would never start, and that time would heal all hearts. Uh, she goes on, I wish that everyone, she said, would have a friend, and that right would always win, and that love would never end. This she sings in like three or four keys. That's why I'm not going to sing it for you today. But she says, this is my grown-up Christmas list. And I think we could all agree that those are good things to add to our Christmas list today, which makes me want to ask you, what are you wishing for? What are you wishing for this Christmas? What is on your Christmas list? And uh, what do you hope to find this Christmas? You know, people in the Bible, <clears throat> we sometimes have a tendency to think that people in the Bible were like way different than us. And they did live in a different culture. They did, you know, have different challenges probably than we had in some regards. But for the most part, people are people. Have you noticed that when you travel? People are just people wherever you go, even through time. People are people. And the truth is that the folks on that first Christmas light, first Christmas night, like we've been singing about here, they had a Christmas wish. Now they wouldn't have called it that because Christmas hadn't actually come. But what were they wishing for? The Bible tells us that they had been wishing for a Messiah. They had been searching for a Messiah. They were longing to be the generation that would have the Messiah come in their time. It's similar to the way we as Christians and believers in Christ long for Jesus to come back. Scripture says, Maranatha, may Lord Jesus come today. And we long for his second coming, you know, that it would happen in our generation. In the same way, Christians or believers, we should say, in the days of Jesus, were longing, Jews were longing for the Messiah to come. You might never have thought of it this way, but the Messiah was actually number one on the Jewish grown-up Christmas list. And again, a Jew would not have a Christmas list. But in their heart, they were waiting for the Messiah. Why? Because they were in need of one who would deliver them, one who would redeem them, one who would rescue them, one who would restore them. And so the Bible tells us, and this is a, an interesting study to do if you ever have the time, to just go back and look through the Old Testament at all the Messianic scriptures that talk about one day a Messiah will come. And then it's really interesting to see how Jesus has fulfilled every one of those Messianic prophecies right down to the letter. And so in the Christmas story alone, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but we actually see several people who help us to see that they were wishing and they were searching for the Messiah. I mean, think of the Magi, right? The wise men. They're, we often call them the three kings, and I hate to tell you, but we don't know if there were actually three. It kind of messes up the song, We Three Kings. There might have been four. There might have been five or six. There might have been less. But we know that there were wise men, the Magi, who were searching for Jesus. They were risking their lives, actually, as they followed that star, hoping to find the Messiah so that they could worship him. Have you ever thought about this? There was also another person searching. That was Herod, right? Look, about, look, about, look at it in Matthew chapter 2 this afternoon, if you want to. He was also searching. He was not intending to worship Jesus. He was intending to murder Jesus. 
Think of Herod, think of the Magi, they were searching. But there were others who were also looking and waiting and wishing and hoping for the Messiah. A lot of times we don't read this in the Christmas narrative, but it's right there in Luke chapter 2. If you keep reading, we usually stop with the shepherd's story. But if you keep reading, just shortly after Jesus is actually born, Mary and Joseph take Jesus back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to have him dedicated and presented. And there's this man, Simeon, who sees the baby Jesus at the temple in the arms of Mary, and he sees Joseph there, and he says these words. Look at these words. He says, Sovereign Lord, now I can die in peace. Does that sound like a man who's been waiting? Does that sound like a man who's been wishing for something? Now I can die in peace, for I have finally seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon was wishing and hoping and searching and waiting. And just a few minutes after Simeon, I don't know if you've ever read her story, but the Bible tells about this wonderful woman, Anna. And it says that she also sees the baby Jesus. And she, uh, according to Luke 2.38, look what she does. It says she began praising God. And the Greek there kind of makes us think that she praised God in a different way than she normally did at the temple. She was always there praising God, like you all are here on Sunday morning, praising God. But it says here, she began praising God. And then look what she did. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jesus. You see, there were many people that first Christmas, the Magi, Herod, Simeon, Anna, among others, who were wishing and waiting and hoping and searching and longing for the Messiah to come. Luke wraps it up really well in the very next chapter after our story, our Christmas story. And he wraps up this atmosphere of anticipation when he says this. Look at this. Uh, everyone, he says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. It was just, again, number one on the wish list. We need and want and hope for a Messiah to come. You might say on that very first Christmas evening that Jesus' birth was a highly anticipated event for centuries. They had been longing for the Messiah to come. And that's why even after all these years of reading the Christmas story, I'm still always just kind of surprised by how this highly anticipated event unfolded. <laughs> this is how it unfolded. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, or you can follow along on the screen or on your Bible app or whatever you're looking at. And today I want to highlight the story of the shepherds, the shepherds. Look at Luke 2, chapter 8. The Bible says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, as we learned in the King James. Or the NIV says, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then the angel says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then we're going to skip over a few verses. We'll come back to them. But jump down to verse 16. It says, so they, the shepherds, hurried off. And what did they find? They found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was, just as the angel said, lying in a manger. Now again, these shepherds are like their ancestors who had gone before them. They too 
were wishing and hoping and praying and searching for the Savior. And most scholars, I find this so interesting, and we've highlighted this several times on our trips to Israel or when we've talked about our trips to Israel, but most scholars believe that these shepherds who lived in the hill country of Bethlehem were very special shepherds. They weren't just your ordinary shepherds, but they were very special shepherds who were raising very special sheep. You see, again, according to religious tradition and law, actually, sheep, if you were going to be a shepherd and you were going to raise sheep, you had to raise your sheep in the wilderness. You couldn't just raise them according to the zoning laws of Overland Park, I mean Bethlehem and Jerusalem and every other city in Israel. You couldn't just raise your sheep, you know, right in a metropolitan area. If you were going to raise sheep, you needed to raise them in the wilderness. And so the scholars say it's a widely held belief that this area, it's known actually, the hills of Bethlehem, is where not ordinary sheep were being raised. What were these sheep for? Temple sacrifices. These were the sheep that were born to die. The scholar goes on and he says, in keeping with Jewish regulations, the shepherds of Luke 2, that we know and love, near Bethlehem, most certainly would have been raising sheep for the priestly sacrifices that were held just up the road in Jerusalem, about six miles, in the temple. Now I want you, if you've never heard that before, or even if you have, just to meditate on that for a minute. Let that sink in, that these shepherds were very special shepherds, trained in a very special way to raise these very special sheep who were destined to die. And you might say, well, Lori, aren't all sheep? I mean, isn't that going to end up be like lamb chops, you know? Well, yeah, ordinary sheep. But these sheep were special sheep. They were destined to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And so that very evening, as we think about Luke chapter 2, these shepherds settled into their regular routine. And we don't even know what their regular routine was, except it says they were living in the fields nearby. And what were they doing? Keeping watch. Keeping watch over their precious sheep. And then they had this amazing experience. An experience like none other. An amazing experience and a great surprise. Look again at verse 8. And an angel of the Lord, and Greg talked about angels last week. If you haven't had a chance, listen to that sermon. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And then we have this like understatement. They were terrified. I would have been more than terrified. And so whenever I read this, I always uh, begin to try to understand what in the world happened that night. They're tired from a long day of shepherding, these guys. They're looking forward to a little rest. Have you ever come home and thought, I am just going to get a little peace and quiet tonight. I'm going to put my jammies on. I'm going to put my feet up. And I am going to relax. Is sun is this, the sun is, uh, you know, setting here, and they're ready for a little bit of quiet when out of nowhere an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And again, not just an angel of the Lord, but the glory of the Lord shining all around them. Again, I don't think this word terrified uh, even begins to, to describe what they felt. And it's hard for us, I think, really to understand what they, they felt. Greg talked about last week how it's impossible for even us to understand what they saw. The glory of the Lord shining around them and an angel of the Lord speaking to them. But we do know what they heard. We maybe don't know exactly what they felt. We maybe don't know exactly what they saw. But we do know what they heard. Because the angel that night came with a verbal, a verbal birth announcement. 
We're familiar with birth announcements. You send out pictures of your new baby. We put them on magnets. We do stuff on Facebook. We announce births pretty regularly around here. But this was a verbal birth announcement. Look again. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In other words, the Messiah has been born. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And yes, O shepherds, sleepy shepherds, ready for a night of rest, he is the Messiah. This is a big, a big announcement. This is the very biggest announcement. God has come to the earth. This is what we've been waiting for. This is number one on our wish list. We need a Messiah. We've been waiting for a Messiah. For centuries, we've been looking and searching and praying and longing for a Messiah. And the angel says, this is the Messiah. And you all are the first to know. You know, one of the perks of uh, being in a ministry and a pastor's family is that sometimes we get to be among the first to know very special things. A couple weeks ago, a new baby was born in our church family. And long before, you know, it went on Facebook. And long before calls were made and long before the birth announcement was sent out, I quietly got a little text. He's here. He's here. And everybody's well. And God is so good. And I just like thought, because oh. we've been waiting, right? We've been hoping for a healthy baby. And so in a way, I have a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny bit of understanding what the shepherds might have felt that night when this glorious angel declared to them, a savior has been born. And do you notice what he says? And he adds, a savior has been born to you, O oh, special shepherds who raise very special sheep. Now, I know the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And God does love the world, for sure. But on this night, it's as if the angel is saying to these very special shepherds, a savior has been born to you. And you all are the first to know that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, has finally come. Friends, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because yes, Jesus came for the entire world. He came, as we know, for every tongue, for every tribe, for every nation. He came for every single one of us. And that's why he says, go into all the world and tell people about me. He came for the whole world. But he also came for you. He came for you, every one of you and me. A savior has been born to you. He is a personal savior and don't let anybody ever tell you that he didn't come for you. The narrative continues and I love this part and I always find it interesting that the angel doesn't stop and ask the shepherds, okay, guys, you wanna go see him? I mean, that's what we would do in America, right? We would make an announcement and we'd say, hey, you wanna come? You want to go do this? But he just knows that they do. And so he gives them the GPS coordinates, just like you would, uh, of where the baby is resting. He gives them, the Bible says, a sign. Look at it. It's right there in 2.12. I know you'll see it. This will be a sign to you. You will find, he's thinking positively, shepherds, you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. 
I'm all done, the angel says, right? And you and I look at that and we go, wait a minute, that is not a lot to go on. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Because here's how we do it. If you're coming to my house for lunch, which I don't have anything in the crock pot today, but you're welcome anytime. At 183rd and Mission, you turn left and then you go up the hill. That's east. It's up the hill. Then you're going to get to another road and you turn left again. And then we're the third house on the right. And you're like, uh, okay, I got it. Right? That's how we talk about how to find something. But again, because of the special nature of these guys, who they were and what they did, this angel is giving them exactly what they need to know. These words, strips of cloth, lying in a manger, were familiar words to these shepherds. These objects, strips of cloth, a manger, were familiar objects to these shepherds. Again, as we've already discussed, in this region, just outside of Bethlehem, not a wilderness, very special sheep are being raised, the Passover lambs, who were kept specially by specially trained shepherds. One writer writes about it this way. He said, these lambs were born under the watchful eye of the shepherds who would then inspect them. He would, as the sheep were born, inspect them and then certify them for temple sacrifice or... If they didn't meet the qualifications, they would be designated as just ordinary sheep. In other words, those lambs who were born for sacrifice would have to be spotless. They would have to be without blemish, according to regu religious regulations. And then what the shepherds would do, not unlike young moms who have babies that sometimes, you know, have little fingernails that scratch them. Have you ever had that happen? I had that happen with our first son, Joe. I'd go into the crib and it'd be like all scratched. I'm like, what happened? Oh, he had a little fingernail. He got a hold there and there was a little scratch. So what these dudes would do, these shepherds, they would take these very precious sheep and then so they didn't do that very thing, they would wrap them in swaddling clothes, in strips of cloth. And then again, history tells us they would put them in a stall or a manger, can be translated as a manger or a stall for safekeeping so that they would be very carefully cared for a holding area, if you would, for these very special, spotless, sacrificial lambs. And so when the angel says to our special shepherds who raise very special sheep, this is a sign to y'all, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It was a sign. They're like, we know where that is. We know who this is. And we know how to find him. In fact, it was a sign like none other. They understood in a way that only they could understand who this baby was. And so the Bible tells us in verse 16, we've looked at it already, what did they do? They hurried off. If it had been me, I would probably would have said, hey, what do you guys think we should do? Let's talk about it. Let's make a group. Let's think about it. Let's ask some advice. Let's make sure we got the coordinates down of where we're going because that would be me. But no, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, just as the angel had said. I love this story, and I hope you do too, because these very, very shep special shepherds who were raising these very special sheep were like every other Jew among them. In this regard, they had been waiting and wishing and hoping and praying that Jesus would come. 
And then when they heard the news, they listened. And they went looking for him, and they found him. Did you see the verbs? They're wishing and waiting. They listen to the angel who said he's here. Then they hurry and go find him. And they found him. What a wonderful lesson for us of what to be looking for, wishing for this Christmas, every Christmas, and what to be finding, what to be found, not only under the Christmas tree, but in our lives. Which makes me ask this question again. What are we wishing for this Christmas? What do we hope to find? The shepherds indeed found Jesus. They found him. But wrapped within that manger, the person of Jesus Christ, they found some specific gifts. I want to just highlight three of them today for you. Because I think they're gifts that we really need to add to our Christmas list. I know I do. And they're gifts that I know God would bless us if we would actually find them. Number one, the shepherds found peace. The shepherds found peace. The Bible tells us this. Look at verse 14. Suddenly, it says, an angel, that angel of the Lord, was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Again, Greg talked about this last week, that this was such amazingly, amazingly good news that God sent them all. <laughs> not just one angel, not just the glory of the Lord, but he sends who? The armies of heaven. A lot of angels came, and they were praising God in the highest. And with them also came this verbal blessing. Not only a verbal announcement that unto you in the day in the sea of David, a Savior has been born to you, but now a verbal blessing. He says to them, peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You know, peace is a word we use often and regularly. It can mean, you know, in a political situation, we say they're at peace. Those two countries have been at war and now a treaty has been signed and now they're at peace. And we understand that in military terms. Peace can also mean, like for parents, uh, this evening I want to just have a little peace and quiet, right? So you find a good movie or you invite the children to do this and, and then you sit down and you have a little peace and quiet. Or peace can also mean a sense of security. You know, I, I use this word all the time. I'm really at peace about this decision or I'm assured that things are okay. I have a peaceful feeling about it or I know that I'm headed in the right direction. I'm at peace. We use this word pretty regularly in our, in our language. But you see, with the coming of Christ on that first Christmas evening, the peace here is a little bit different. This is real, authentic, genuine, lasting peace. Peace that was, for the first time, going to be offered to mankind. Again, as we've already mentioned, these shepherds were raising what? Sacrificial lambs. And for hundreds of years, for hundreds of years, because of our sin, because of the sin of mankind, many sacrificial animals had been offered. Many. Why? In an attempt to make peace between a holy God and a sinful bunch of people. I love what Hebrews says. He describes it the best. The writer of Hebrews, if you have your Bibles, you can look there, chapter 10, or follow along on the screen. He says it this way. <clears throat> the sacrifices in the Old Testament were repeated again and again year after year, but they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who came. 
For it's impossible, he says, for the blood of bulls and goats and lambs, for that matter, to take away sin. But Jesus, and there's a sermon, isn't it? But Jesus offered himself to God as one sacrifice for sins, a sacrifice that was good for all time. And then he says in verse 19, so dear brothers and sisters, here's the benefit. We can now boldly enter heaven, heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the sacrifice, because of the one and only sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the baby born to die, as we sing about. Paul goes on and talks about it this way in Romans 3. He says, you know, for everyone has sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard, and isn't that the truth? Yet God, there's those words again, in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. How do you do this? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as what? The sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And then he wraps it up. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace. Peace on earth. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And so that very first Christmas, the shepherds hurried off and they did find the Messiah. Or as John later calls him, what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And how did they find this sacrifice? How did they find Jesus, the baby? the one that we sing about, the one that we write cards about, the one that we celebrate on Christmas, they found him like all other sacrifices in strips of cloth and lying in a manger for safekeeping. In the ultimate sense of the word, that night the shepherds found peace. Peace with God. Peace on earth. And here's the thing. So can we. It's a gift that's available to all mankind. We too can have peace and be at peace with our holy God. Second gift that they found that night more quickly is forgiveness. Another word for forgiveness is sometimes pardon. What is pardon? Well, you've heard of it. A governor, a very important person, has the ability to save someone and to say, no, he's not going to have to suffer his penalty. He's been pardoned. Remember what the angel said? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is a Savior? One who saves. And again, we've talked about this before. What is Jesus' name? Yeshua. What does it mean? One who saves. By his very name, he described what he would do. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Jesus, the one who will save his people from their sins. And so when the angel said a savior has been born, again, these are smart guys. They knew who had come. Not just a regular baby, but the Messiah, born to save, to redeem, to bring atonement. One of my very favorite Christmas cards says it this way. If our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent what? An educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent a scientist or a computer programmer. If our greatest need had been for money, God would have sent uh, you know, a banker, a finance guy, a, an economist. If our greatest need had been for pleasure, God would have sent uh, a musician, an artist, an entertainer. But what was our greatest need? 
Our greatest need is and still is, was and still is, uh, a, a forgiveness. And so this Christmas card says, he sent a savior. And so on that first night, the shepherds, they found Jesus, but they also found pardon. They found forgiveness. A savior has been born to you. And the same thing is true for you. If there's something in your life that you've thought, man, I, am I forgiven for that? Have I really been forgiven for that? You can be forgiven for that. I can be forgiven for that. And Christmas is a wonderful time to say, Lord, one of the best things I could receive this year is forgiveness. The shepherds that night met a savior, one who pardoned them and all of us from our sins. And the third gift that I think the shepherds unwrapped that night is the gift of purpose. The gift of purpose. Look again at Luke chapter 2. I love this. Luke chapter 2, verse 16 says, not only did they, remember, remember how they went to the manger? They hurried. These guys are fast. For being shepherds, who you kind of think are slow movers. No, they are fast people. They not only hurried right to the manger, but look here. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, what did the shepherds do? They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. It's been said that the shepherds were the very first missionaries of the Christian faith. I like that. They were the very first evangelists. They met Jesus, they saw him, and then they told everyone what had happened. And they told everyone what the angel had said. Again, if it had been me, I'm just telling you, I probably would have looked at them and said, wow, we just got to see this. What do we do? Well, I don't know. Maybe we should just keep it to ourselves. Maybe we should talk about it. Maybe we should just like have a few discussion groups about it. We should just, you know, I don't know. No, they saw the Messiah and they hurried to the city of Bethlehem and they told everyone what they had seen. And again, prior to this night, these shepherds were, were ordinary men. They're special guys. They have a specialty. They're specially trained to take care of these very special lambs, but they're regular guys just doing their jobs. Many of you have specialties within your field. But if I sat down with you over lunch, you'd say, I'm just, you know, I'm, yeah, I have the specialty. I'm trained in this, but this is my job. I am just doing my job. But after that night, think about it. These shepherds, they had to have been changed. They had to have been never quite the same. They had a story. A story that everybody had been waiting to hear. They had a story to tell. And you know, this is what happens, not just to shepherds who meet a baby lying in a manger, but this is what happens to people who meet Jesus Christ. We've been in ministry long enough to, to know this and to see this. When people meet Jesus, lives are changed. Marriages are saved. Finances are reoriented. Prodigals come home. And new purpose is found. And people start living life more purpose and on purpose and with purpose in a different way. Why? Because they've been changed. They've been transformed. And they tell everybody, I'm different. I'm changed. At least that's how it should be, right? That night, the shepherds did an amazing thing. They found the baby. But they did an even more amazing thing to me. They told everybody. 
They told everybody. And truth is, the best way to tell people about Jesus is to tell your story. That's how we teach it around here. The best way to tell people about Jesus is to tell your story. They would rather hear, why do you go to church? Why are you involved? Why is your life different? Why is your marriage different? Why do your finances look different? Why are your kids different? Why are, man, you seem changed. They want to hear your story. And the shepherds that night, they told the story of the transformation, I believe, that happened. They told what they had seen. And so at the risk of being very annoying, I'm going to ask you, what is it that you're wishing for this Christmas? What am I wishing for? And what is it that you hope to find? What is it that you hope to find? The shepherds, I love their story because they went looking for Jesus. They went looking for Jesus, and just like the angel said, you will find him. Scripture is full, isn't it, of all kinds of Bible verses that say, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep looking. And that for those who seek and those who knock, they will find. And that God longs for us to be the kind of people who keep looking and keep seeking to find Jesus and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to walk with us so that we might be in step with him this Christmas. And so my wish for you, and my wish, of course, for me as well, is that the Holy Spirit this year will prompt us to, to maybe make out a different Christmas wish and that he'll guide us as we do and that on that list we might say, I'm longing for peace, peace for my souls. I'm my soul. I'm longing for forgiveness, forgiveness of my sins. I'm longing for purpose, purpose and direction. That's what the shepherds found and probably so much more. But that's my wish for you. That's our prayer for you. That this year, as you unwrap gifts, that you, like the shepherds, will unwrap the Christ child. And that you, too, will find those kinds of things. Let's stand for closing prayer. And as we uh, stand, I want to just remind you that, again, this Wednesday is our Christmas party. I hope that you'll come. I'll be bringing my veggie tray to kind of balance out the sugar. And next Sunday uh, is... Uh, of course, Christmas Sunday, and Lord willing, we'll not have too much snow and we'll be able to be here. also want to remind you about our Christmas service, Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, and that's what that service is about. And, you know, we love doing all of those services. We love doing those things at Christmas. Those are kind of the traditions, if you will, of Southwoods. You have traditions in your home as well, and that's why we do those things for our church family, a party and a service and a Christmas Eve service. And I hope that you'll come. I hope that you'll bring your friends. But, you know, more than that, more than any of those services, more than any of those experiences that we work hard to, to have together as a church family, it really, really is our prayer that you and your family and those that you work with and those people that live next door to you and those people that you love would find Jesus this year this Christmas, and I can't say it enough, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah, expectantly waiting. Everyone was waiting for him. Let's be like them in that sense. And this year, would we welcome the Savior, not only into our homes, but into our lives, into every aspect of us. And when we hurry off like the shepherds and tell everyone who we know and what we've seen, 
and that there might be a great celebration, not only here on this earth, but one day in heaven. When you cross the other side and people go, hey, I'm here because you told me, you shared with me your story about Jesus Christ. That would be the best gift that you could give anyone this year. And that's really my prayer for you. That's really my Christmas wish, is that you will together with all of us join in not only celebrating and worship Jesus, but telling others about him. Let's pray together. And if we can uh, pray for you, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you and for you and, and uh, share with you as well. So let's bow our heads together in prayer. Our Father, we do just thank you again for this uh, time of the year. It's so very special. Thank you for the rhythm of the calendar, which was all your idea. I know that each year we would remember and be reminded of the coming of your son, the giving of the Christ child, that the Messiah finally has come. Thank you, Lord, that we get to celebrate it in oh so many ways. But this year I pray that at the top of our list would just be this opportunity to worship Jesus, to find him and to invite him to enter into every aspect of our lives so that in him we might find the fullness the fullness of the gift that you expected for us to unwrap that Christmas morning. Thanks for the shepherds. Thanks for the way that they teach us, even in their story and the way it lives on. And may this year we be changed. May this year we be transformed. May this year we be renewed. And may we find Jesus as the shepherds did. Be with us as we travel home. Keep us safe. Thank you for the snow. <laughs> Help us to navigate it well. And again, thank you for Jesus. And we pray all of these things in his name. And everybody said with me, amen. amen.